Psalm 90, beginning at verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back into dust and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. You have swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning, they're like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning, it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening, it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by your anger. And by your wrath, we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. O satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Father, we thank you for your holy word. We pray now, Lord, for our hearts to be opened and receptive to receive what you have for us today. We pray for our understanding that we may understand what you have for us. We pray for the courage in our hearts that we may decide and firmly decide to walk in all of your ways. We pray for Rick this morning that you would anoint him with the power on high, the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill him with joy and strength as he preaches your word. Amen. Thanks, Tim. It's great to be with Christ Community Church on this first Sunday of the year. One thing I really enjoy about this time of year is the occasion to reflect on the last year and to look ahead to the upcoming year and give some thought as to how to make this, get the most out of this year. And when I actually can find some extended time to process, I find it very inspiring to do that. I don't know about you. New Year's is obviously a great occasion to do that, but I also work on the academic calendar, and I find that like that graduation season is also a very good time where, as a college minister, I get some closure in my life, and the year is gone, and I get to reflect. I actually like YouTubing some commencement speeches by people I respect and hearing from them. Some of them are entertaining. Some of them are just great nuggets of truth and wisdom. There are other natural occasions to reflect and pause and think of life more deeply. 
There are the major milestones, the big birthdays. There are the family milestones, like kids growing up. I've got three kids, and pretty soon they're going to be driving. And then out to college. And there are other milestones. Like, I think the biggest one of all is kids getting out of diapers. I mean, that's like, that's like awesome. There's even tragedies in crisis. I remember during 9-11, hearing about how a lot of people got engaged. A lot of people thought deeply, more deeply about their life because they didn't want to take it for granted. But regardless of what triggers us to take time out and to reflect and assess and to look ahead, it's a healthy exercise where we can gauge our reality and try to discern where the Lord is working in our lives and where he's leading us. And that's the desire we find expressed in Psalm 90, verse 12, where Moses calls to God. Moses is praying. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Or the New Living Translation says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. And as we step into this new year, this new decade, in fact, I thought this passage would be worth exploring and diving into with you. So that's what I'd like to do. Psalm 90 is the only psalm written by Moses, making it the oldest of the psalms. And unlike David, who wrote a lot of personal prayers before the Lord, Moses wrote Psalm 90 as a corporate prayer for the nation of Israel as they were making their way out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. It took 40 years. We're not exactly sure what the occasion was where this psalm was written during those 40 years. I have a hint, but I'm not going to, I'm not so sure, so I'm not going to share it. But the outline is that I would, um, you know, we can't go through this verse, 17 verses, this psalm verse by verse, but I want to start by looking at the first 11 verses where, where Moses contrasts the eternal nature of God with man's finiteness. And then I want to focus in on two verses, verse 12 and verse 14. So looking at the beginning, verses 1 through 11, from the outset of the psalm, Moses highlights the timeless nature of God. In verse 1, the Lord has been their dwelling place throughout all generations. Verse 2, that you have been God before the mountains were brought forth or before the earth was even created. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Verse 4, a thousand years, a thousand years, which we can't even really think about. It's it's like a day. It's like a, a watch in the night, which is three or four hours to the Lord. God is eternal. He is beyond time. He is the creator of the universe. He has no beginning, no end, no death. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Those are mind-boggling characteristics of God that strike us with awe and reverence when we consider them. That the irresistible marching of time has no influence over God because he created time and he stands outside time. Time serves God. God has existed from eternity past and will exist for all eternity. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. And when we see the timelessness of God, it puts our lives in perspective. In contrast to God, we are greatly affected by time. We can do nothing to slow it down. The text says in verse 3 that we will 
turned to dust, as the rock band Kansas sang in the 1970s, that all we are is dust in the wind. In verse 5, we will fade and wither like grass. In verse 10, we're fortunate to live 70, 80 years. We are temporary beings that burst forth for a few years only to fade as we head towards our eventual decline and death. As hard as we try to resist and slow the effects of time or find some sort of magical potion to reduce it, there's nothing we can do to put the brakes on Father Time. Time is the great equalizer. Over time, our beauty, our fitness, our mental abilities, our memories, our energy all fade and deteriorate, and there's nothing we can do about it. We wither and fade like grass in the field. No fountain of youth, no special pills that we can take. Sure, it's important to live healthy lives, to exercise and sleep and eat well and reduce stress and so forth, but time will still wear us down and win out. I remember, I mean, I've been in Amherst for 20 years, and when I got here, I used to have hair on my head. I didn't need reading glasses. I didn't have a few extra pounds around my belly. I didn't have a problem with my shoulder. I didn't have reoccurring calf injuries. When I came here 20 years ago, my German was very good, and I haven't been able to use it, and I've forgotten just because of time. I've forgotten so much German. 20 years ago, I used to sing pretty well, but now I can't uh, you know, reach these notes that I used to hit with ease. Even TB12, the greatest quarterback ever, who more than any other player helped his team win six Lombardi trophies. Hall of Fame player, was Super Bowl MVP multiple times. Even he shows signs of deterioration. He's not as fast as he was. Can't throw the ball like he once did. TB12. (laughs) Yes, Terry Bradshaw, number 12. The original TB12 won four Super Bowls. Steelers have won six Lombardi trophies. Hall of Famer. By the way, he never lost a Super Bowl, but we won't go there. Uh, but we're seeing the effects, not only in this TB12, which is, he's a kind of funny guy to watch, but also in the other TB12 as well. Time affects us all, no matter how brilliant, athletic, beautiful we are, eventually our time runs out. As Moses wrote, whether in 70 or 80 years, every single person will pass away. And when we see that our time is limited, reminding us of our immortality, it should stir in us a desire to make the most of our days on earth. Many of you are familiar with the expression, carpe diem, seize the day, made known, made famous by the the Dead Poet Society, a movie with Robin Williams in the late 80s or early 90s, I can't remember which, but carpe diem was actually a very common expression used in the Baroque period in the 1600s, carpe diem. But there's another phrase attached to that. It was carpe diem, momente mori, seize the day, remember death. In light of the fact that we're going to die, we want to seize the day, we want to live for what matters most. That's what I think it's being said by Moses, teach us to number our days. 
Let us remember that one day we will stand before you, that this life is finite, that we're not going to live forever. We want to make the most of it. Let's appreciate it. Winston Churchill said in a similar vein, but in his characteristic moxie, he said, nothing makes you feel more alive than being shot at and missed. (laughs) It's hard to take life for granted when we see how fragile it is. I've heard many cancer survivors remark how glad they are that they had cancer. And you're thinking, what? And they say, because I appreciate life. I don't take it for granted. Every day I know is a blessing. And that's maybe why some of the most powerful stories are the ones that bring this life into perspective and create a deep, deep thirst to make the most out of life. I think of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens where Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by a spirit and gets a glimpse of his life from the vantage point of death. And as a result, he sees what's really important. And he gets a second chance, and he's transformed, and he makes the most of it. Or It's a Wonderful Life, where George Bailey gets a glimpse of what Bedford Falls would be like if he never existed, and his life is erased from time. He, too, gets a second chance and makes the most out of it. A change in perspective can have a tremendous impact on our lives. And I sometimes wonder how our lives would be different if we had five seconds in heaven and were able to come back and live this life. I'm sure we would long to be back in heaven, but we would also long to make the most of this life by living for the things that matter most and the things that matter most to God. I doubt if we would take this life for granted. That brings us to verse 12, where Moses prays for God to help us to live in light of that day. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know how some verses hit you hard, harder than others? Verse 12 hits me hard. There's something that resonates deeply. Since verse 12 is in the context of the 11 verses preceding it, where the timelessness of God is stacked against the mortality of man, I have to think that what Moses means by a heart of wisdom is along the lines of having an eternal perspective and being able to live out our days on earth in light of what really matters to God. To view these earthly days and years as a gift from God to use for him and his glory. Sometimes I think that this life is a veil with our focus on all these earthly things, temporary things. And I, I read this psalm and it lifts my eyes and it reminds me that there is another world, another life, one that is more important, one that, that we don't see as clearly, but is just as real. In fact, it's more real. And sometimes we get a glimpse of heaven, we have this eternal perspective, and we thirst to live for that reality over this earthly reality. And I think that's what Moses means when he prays. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That life is a gift. We take it for granted. I take it for granted. But it's limited. It's fleeting. Life on earth won't last forever. And we need to make the most of it. And that leads us to verse 14. 
As we consider how to make the most of this life, or even this very year, Moses' words speak to us today, where he says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. The word used, the Hebrew word for satisfy means to get your fill, to get enough food to eat, to be satiated. Think of eating a meal until you you have no more room to eat any further. In the morning, satisfy us in the morning. It's like eating a big breakfast that will last throughout the day. But where do we find our satisfaction? It's not in food, obviously. It's in God's steadfast love. Now, this is a very, very special word. It's one of the top five Hebrew words, if you're ever going to know Hebrew. It's God's hesed love, his loyal, steadfast, unwavering, unconditional love that is based on his character and who he is, not based on who we are and what we have done. Perhaps the best example of this hesed love is found in Exodus 34, when God reestablishes his covenant with Israel after they sinned, he gave them the Ten Commandments. He spoke it to them in Exodus 20, and he said, you should have no other idols. And Moses is up on the hill mountain meeting with God for quite a while, and the people became restless, and they convinced Aaron to make an idol for them right after God said, do not have any idols. And so that wasn't good, obviously. And Moses came down and led the people. And eventually, God brought Moses back up the mountain and came down, and he spoke to him, and he proclaimed who the Lord was. And this is very significant because the book of Exodus is about the name of God and who is God. And this is the fullest statement of who God is by God himself in the book of Exodus. And God says, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And despite Israel's flagrant sin, God abounds in steadfast love. This is something I try to hammer into our students. This is one thing I want them to internalize before they leave, that God's love for you is greater than your sin. God's love for you is greater than your sin. It's not that God loves you so much, therefore your sin doesn't matter. We are broken and fallen people, and our sin is significant before a holy God. But despite the destructive nature of our sin, God is merciful and compassionate. Our sin doesn't drive God away. It drives us away from him. He doesn't give up. Yes, sin has devastating consequences. It causes harm and pain to ourselves. It causes harm and pain to other people. Ultimately, it causes a spiritual death and a separation from God. And we want to hide and flee from God. But God's hesed love means that while we run away and hide from God, He pursues us and He initiates with us. Not to squash us, not to pay us back, for the sins that we've committed, but to offer forgiveness and to restore us to him. And I love in Romans chapter two, where Paul says, it's the kindness kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Because of sin, 
We hide in a corner and we try to avoid God. And yet God approaches us. And he approaches us with kindness and with gentleness and with hesed love. That's his steadfast love towards us. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And throughout Israel's history, they would wander from God and God would bring them back. And we too repeatedly wander from God. Yet God's love is greater than our sin. Our sin, no matter how significant and destructive, isn't able to destroy God's love for us. In fact, in a very weird way, sin actually highlights God's love. Because when we see the true nature of our sin, we see the true nature of God's love for us. It is because of our sin that God's love caused him to step into humanity. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came to earth so he could die on the cross to satisfy the payment of sin that we faced. There is no greater love possible than this. An eternal and everlasting God who is sinless and infinite and innocent chose to suffer and die for finite and fallen creatures that keep messing up. Paul writes in Romans 5, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is God's hesed love. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Everyone, even those who don't believe in God, want to find satisfaction and joy and gladness in life. People look far and wide. They look at money and success and comfort and power and fame and travel and drugs and alcohol and credentials and fitness and relationships and entertainment and fashion and you name it. 3,500 years ago, Moses understood that the only thing that brings lasting joy is knowing God in his unconditional, steadfast love, his hesed love. And as you look to 2020, there are bound to be some tough days ahead. Rejoicing and being glad doesn't mean that there aren't hardships. But those who cling to the Lord's steadfast love and find their satisfaction there will reflect the greatest joy and the most gladness. Well, how do we apply this psalm to our lives as we step into 2020? I thought about how to end this message with some application that would be very practical that we could leave here and apply to our lives. Maybe some New Year's resolutions to spur your thinking and that you might want to apply. Maybe a handout with various options because we're all at different places. But I want to keep it short and sweet. And so here it is. And I think it's something that everyone here can do and should do. I want to encourage you today or maybe tonight or sometime soon to come before God as Moses did and simply with a sincere heart to ask him to help you to number your days, to teach you to number your days that you may gain a heart of wisdom. 
and to pray that to God. Say, God, teach me to number my days that I might have a heart of wisdom. In a sense, tell him that you want to live this year, 2020, for him and give him permission to work in your life. To ask him, are there character issues that he wants to work on in your life? Ask him how you can be a better person and that he would help you do that. Ask him how you can live for what matters most. Ask him if there's a new chapter for you or your family that he has in store, maybe a new direction or a new job or a new hobby or a new life goal or a new avenue of ministry. Ask him how you can make the most of this upcoming year. Time is such a gift. 2020 is such a gift. Ask God to teach you to number your days so that you may gain a heart of wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Help us to see how this life is such a gift, how every day is a gift from you. And we want to use it with our eyes focused on the eternal and not just the temporary. We want to live for the things that matter most to you and not most to the world around us. Would you help us, help us to make every day count in loving you and loving other people and serving you and building your kingdom and being the people you want us to be, that you would help us to live by faith and to live lives that honor you and to please you deeply. It's in Christ's name that we pray, amen. Part of our story, part of our testimony was written in 2019 by the Holy Spirit. So I I pray that you have wonderful, wonderful memories of conversations and and spiritual conversations that happened in 2019 because that's the importance of memories. Yes, memories are important for us to go back and think of our wanderings in the past to bring joy and delight, but memories really ought to remind us about who God is and what we hold in him. Consider the psalmist who wrote, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. And here's the response. I spread out my hands to you, O Lord. I thirst for you like a parched land. May we remember what the Lord has done and may that leave us thirsty and parched and hungering for more. Amen.